When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a crowd podcast. Yes, everyone. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Beef's Golf Club. John is currently away on tour, so I've brought in producer Ryan. And also, we've got a great guest coming on very shortly to talk about the US Ryder Cup team and the American picks that's happened today. Ryan, how are you, mate? Beef, I am good. I'm very excited. Zach Johnson has announced his picks. Uh, it feels like the build-up to the Ryder Cup has started now, doesn't it? It's only about a month away. How excited are you for it? Oh, very excited. First one I'm actually going to. I love Rome. Yes. I love pasta. I love golf. <laughs> it's not in any particular order. I love them all. And I think, I, I generally think when the teams start forming and the picks and you know who's going to be playing in it, that's when it really starts to, to kick in, like today. Um, I think it's a tough job for Zach Johnson as well. A real tough job. I mean, America's got so many good players and yeah, he must have had a bit of a headache with these selections. Well, we'll absolutely delve into it. Um, this is going to be a lot of people's first Ryder Cup. It's my first Ryder Cup, your first one that you're going to, isn't it? So uh, I think it's very exciting. Um, I think we need to remind listeners, Beef, that they can actually go to the Ryder Cup with you in a month's time. Do you want to tell people about it? Oh, absolutely. Beef's Golf Club has teamed up with Ryder Cup Travel Services. So if you want to come to the Ryder Cup with me... You'll get a preview night, hotels, and a full ticket included. Click on the link in the episode description to check out the package. Right then, let's get our guest on, mate, and chat about Team USA. Right, everyone, we are joined by Sky Sports reporter and absolute golf nut, Jamie Weir. How are you, mate? What a build-up. I'm good, Beef. I am good. Uh, the, the Ryder Cup countdown is on. Zach Johnson's made his picks. We're going to get Luke's next week. Big Ange has got Spurs absolutely buzzing. Arsenal bottled it at the weekend. <laughs> so, you know, everything is good in my world at the moment. I wondered how quickly Jamie would get it in. That he how, how quickly Spurs. I could shoehorn in Tottenham. Well, there you go. Hopefully I didn't <laughs> disappoint. It was roughly eight seconds. There it was. Um, Jamie, welcome to Beef's Golf Club. Um, like you say, Zach Johnson's just announced his uh, picks. What's the initial reaction from your side? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of the six guys I was expecting, or certainly five of the six guys I was expecting. I think that final spot was kind of up for grabs, and he, he had an embarrassment of riches to choose from, really. And I think Cam Young can count himself pretty unlucky to have missed out, and I'm sure we'll come on to why in greater detail in a bit. Keegan Bradley, after having an exceptional season, I think he's probably gutted this evening. Um, 
and a number of other players, you know, the likes of Tony Finau, 12 months ago, you would have thought he was a shoe in to be in this team. His form's just fallen off a cliff. Um, there'll be sure there'll be some people that make an argument for Bryson DeChambeau. Lucas Glover was putting his hand up. Russell Henley's statistics were absolutely incredible. But I think the six that he's gone for, certainly five of them in terms of Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, they kind of, I think, were shoe-ins. And then that Sam Burns one was a little bit from left field. But, you know, Zach Johnson's spoken about why Sam Burns has made the team and he makes a compelling case for him. I actually missed the press conference, to be brutally honest. What was the case? His putting, driving, putting. I think it's just his, his overall, what he brings. You know, he's the match play champion, isn't he? And, and like, I get that argument. At the same time, Play, you know, winning the world match play in Texas in March is different to playing a Ryder Cup in Italy in September. So I think sometimes we put a bit too much emphasis on how you guys have done in the world match play. He partners really well with Scotty Scheffler. We know that from the President's Cup last year. They weren't prolific in terms of the, the points that they brought in at the President's Cup. But if you look at the stats, if you look at the data, Sam Burns was the best performer of all 24 players at the President's Cup this time last year. So... You know, he, he he made it into the Tour Championships, which I suppose gave him another little sort of feather in his cap ahead of the ahead of someone like Cam Young. But I think Sam Burns is just overall game, his ability to pair up with people, and in particular with Scotty Scheffler is probably what got him the nod. Firstly, let's quickly go through the six players who automatically qualified, which is Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantley, Max Homer, and Xander Scheffel. I mean... That's a strong start to the team already, isn't it? It must have been a headache for him to to go through the six picks. I mean, like you've just reeled off so many class players. One I'm still quite surprised about, Ricky Fowler. Did you think he was a shoe in for it? Yeah, I kind of did just because, you know, it, it, again, if you look at the data, it depends how much you lean into the data. But in terms of strokes gained, he's the, he's the fifth best performing American of the last 12 months. The only guys ahead of him are Scheffler, Cantlay, Chauffelet and Morikawa in that regard. So he's playing some exceptional golf. He obviously won in Detroit earlier this year. Um, however, like he, he's got a bad record when it comes to Ryder Cup. He's got a losing record in Ryder Cups. 3-7-5 is his record. He's been difficult. He might be a difficult man to pair. Like He's going to have to have a new partner this time around. He was partnered with Dustin Johnson in Paris five years ago when they weren't great as a pairing. He played with Phil Mickelson in 2016, Jimmy Walker in 2014, Jim Furyk and Phil Mickelson in his first Ryder Cup at Celtic Manor in 2010. So he's going to need a new partner this time. We know that he's tight with Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, but you're not going to break up that pairing unless Justin Thomas is stinking the joint out in Rome, which is a possibility. But <laughs> I, I, I only... I really did think that Ricky was kind of a shoe in just because of how well he's playing and how popular he would be in the team room as well. Like he's a likable guy. Um, so yeah, for me, he he was a shoe in. Yeah. Going to Justin Thomas as well. He's sort of like a, a Sergio pick, isn't he? Yeah. Where form might be completely irrelevant. Yeah. I kind of think that is the case with Justin Thomas. He is kind of the American Poulter or the American Sergio to, you know, he is, I think Zach Johnson said earlier, he's the heart and soul of Team USA. He's our emotional leader. He was born for this. You just don't leave JT out. Now, I wonder if there's any other player that could be playing as badly as Justin Thomas is, who would still be 
absolutely guaranteed a spot. And I'm not sure there is. I remember Thomas Bjorn getting pelters five years ago when Sergio was picked. I was like, what? why have you picked Sergio ahead of, oh, you know, Matt Wallace is just one in Denmark or whatever. And Thomas, who leaned heavily into the data and sort of spoke to the analytics guys a lot, just said, look, Sergio's being picked for a specific reason, blah, blah, blah. And then Sergio turned out to be great in Paris a few weeks later. So, look, Justin Thomas... Uh, Ryder Cups are played on emotion, aren't they? For three days, you just you can kind of throw the form book out the window. It's about the emotion that you bring to it, and there's nobody more emotional than Justin Thomas. He gets under the skin of the opposition, both the fans and the players. I know that there are European players that do not want to play Justin Thomas because they know that he brings his game to the next level when it comes to Ryder Cup. It brings out the best in him when he has that American flag on his shoulder and he's pumping his chest. He just there's no player who who. Go, who just gets swept along on emotion more than Justin Thomas. And I think all of that weighs so heavily into it. Look, there's no doubt about it. His golf has not been great. He didn't even make the top 70. He didn't make the, the FedEx Cup playoffs. Since then, he hasn't been seen. He didn't come over and play, you know, in in the Czech Republic last weekend or in Akron this weekend. So he was obviously told by Zach Johnson, look, mate, don't worry about it. You're getting a pick. He's playing in Napa in a couple of weeks in the Fortinet Championship just to get a bit of tournament golf under his belt. But he will have been grinding away for the last few weeks, just trying to iron stuff out. And he is a two-time major champion. He is a generational talent. And I kind of just think that Ryder Cup, you kind of throw all of the recent form out the window because if you're Justin Thomas, you're somebody who just can perform on that stage. And as I said, the Europeans will not want to play against him. They will not want to walk onto that tee box and have Justin Thomas standing opposite you on that first tee. I've got a question for you, Beef. How, from your experience of playing, how much pressure is Justin Thomas going to be under knowing that his form hasn't been great? There's going to be sort of a lot of questions asked, isn't there, at every turn and everything he does. How, you know, how would that be from a player's point of view? Yeah, definitely. I think I think there'll be an added pressure because if he doesn't sort of back Zach Johnson's pick, they're they're going to go down the route of oh, why did he get picked? And he's going to get a lot of questions like that. Ultimately, knowing him sort of fairly well, I don't think he'll be absolutely bothered by it at all. I think he'll be absolutely pumped to be playing it. Like Jamie said, I think I think yeah, he's a, he's a dangerous guy, and if he's if he knows he's going in on that team, he's going to be doing everything to to come back with the Ryder Cup and form goes out the window for me and class is permanent and he's a he's a real dangerous player. He really is. And if they open up and he doesn't play maybe in the in the foursomes, he could turn up in the four ball. You never know. If he gets off to a good start, he'd be dangerous all week. So yeah, I think that'd be a point from Europeans if you're playing him is to try and get on get on him early and beat him in that first game if he's playing the first game and keep him quiet. Look, there, there's no doubt about it. it. It is a roll of the dice because you know people tend to think Ian Poulter. Oh, he was excellent in every Ryder Cup. There's a couple of times when Poulter was picked and he wasn't great. He wasn't great at the Eagles in 2014. He wasn't great a couple of years ago at Whistling Straits. A lot of players weren't great in that team, to be fair. But, you know, when you pick somebody on their reputation, look, there's a chance that Justin Thomas might turn up, play in the first session on Friday, absolutely stink the joint out, and then get rested till Sunday singles. Of course there is. But is he a man you want in your team room? I think absolutely. And I know that those other 11 players in that US team will be buzzing to have Justin Thomas bouncing off the walls of that team room. I've got one more question for you, Jamie. Kepka, 
Did you think he'd yeah. get picked? Yeah, there was never any doubt in my head that, that he would get picked. I mean, he, he missed out on the top six by $29,000 or something, which is absolutely nothing at all. So if he had just played in one PGA Tour event this year and finished, you know, 40th or whatever, he'd have, he'd have qualified for the team. It, I think it would have created more fuss than it was worth if you overlook the guy who's finished seventh in the standings and a guy who's a five-time major champion. Now... If you look at the, the Zach Johnson has openly said that he doesn't watch any live golf, so he's picking him off how he's performed in the four majors this year, and in particular how he performed in the Masters and the PGA Championship, which obviously he won. That's the last time he kind of played really well, though, which is back in May. So you could make an argument that actually, if you look at who's performing the best at the moment, he he he's not playing great golf at the moment. However. I kind of make the same point I would make about Justin Thomas, and that is, if you're one of those European rookies, if you're Adrian Moronk or Bob McIntyre, do you want to be standing opposite Brooks Kepka on that first tee? You know, six foot of muscle with that look in his face, five-time major champion, just ready to grind you into the dirt. I mean, you don't. he's an intimidating guy, isn't he, Brooks? And I think, are you going to be wanting to see, I don't know, Russell Henley opposite you or Brooks Kepka? I know who you'd rather be facing, right? So I, I think Brooks... His name more than anything else, it, it, he's Brooks Kepka, and that's why you pick him for your team. And he hasn't, like some other players, burnt bridges. You know, he doesn't carry water for Liv. When he was asked after the PGA Championship, is this a victory for Liv? He said, no, it's a victory for me. <laughs> he doesn't wear the branded logos. You know, he he, does, he, he openly says that if he'd known that his body was going to heal up the way it has, he probably wouldn't have left for Liv at all. So he's never been one of those guys who's gone kicking and screaming on his way out the door from the PGA Tour. He's still a popular player amongst the guys he's going to be teammates with. So I think it's a no-brainer. You you want Brooks Koepka in your team, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, really, really valid point there, to be honest. On those other live names, Jamie, so, yeah. you know, for those who sort of loosely follow the golf, everyone knows what's happening with, with live golf and the, you know, the defection from the, the big names. Who else were the big names that... Because originally we all thought that live players weren't going to be involved at all, but like you say, he sort of couldn't he couldn't ignore Brooks. Yeah. But the ones that spring to mind from the layman's sort of terms are Dustin Johnson and uh, Bryson DeChambeau. What what happened there? Do we think he sort of was really he didn't really bite the bait, did he? When uh, when they asked him about Dustin Johnson in the press conference? Yeah, I, I think those are the two, and, and I've just asked Zach Johnson that very question. You know, were Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau considered? And he kind of tried to avoid it, but said, "Look, those guys." There's a lot to be said for playing week in, week out in the PGA Tour. That was your route into qualifying for the team. Those guys had a chance. They had four tournaments that they played in, i.e. the majors, where they could have earned their way in. They didn't manage to do that. Brooks did. So I, I think that was his kind of roundabout way of saying DJ and Bryson weren't even considered. Um, Dustin Johnson, again, like Brooks, is somebody who hasn't gone kicking and screaming on his way out the door. He's kept relationships pretty civilised with, with with the tour that he's left behind. He would have been a popular guy. He went 5-0 and in Whistling Straits. He's just not playing great at the moment. I think that's why DJ isn't in the conversation. Bryson, on the other hand, he, we, he obviously is playing well at the moment. He shot that 58 a couple of weeks ago. But I've made this point so many times. A team in any sport, not just golf, is not necessarily about the 12 best individuals. It's about creating the best team dynamic, the most harmonious yeah. team environment. And there's no getting around it. Bryson is not popular. Bryson is not liked by some of the guys in that team room. He would have been a negative, toxic influence to have in that team room. He has effectively sued 
you know, everybody bar Brooks Kepka that he's going to be in that team room with. And we know what Brooks Kepka thinks of Bryson DeChambeau already. So, you know, it, I, I just think for, from ZJ's point of view, from Zach Johnson's point of view, it would have been lobbing a hand grenade into the team room when you don't need to do it. When you've got that many options to choose from, when you're leaving guys like Cam Young, Keegan Bradley off the team, why create a problem for yourself that you don't need by throwing in this hand grenade who could end up being a, a toxic influence on the team? I think Jamie's described it absolutely perfect. I mean, he's great to have in the team if you're going to play really aggressive and someone who's going to absolutely bomb it. He might make a lot of birdies and four balls and stuff like that. But it's not with the strength of the team. It's not worth having the other issues and the baggage that comes with it is, 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 yeah, it's so right. It's so true. Jamie, can I just pick up on the fact you said you'd just spoken to Zach Johnson before uh, coming on to speak to uh, Beef and myself. What was it like when you spoke to Zach Johnson? Um, and what, what other questions did you get the chance to ask him? What was his demeanour like? I'm very I, interested. I, in actually, I actually cut the interview off with Zach Johnson because I said, guys, I've got, I've got to get to, to Beef. So can we just... Um, <laughs> Zach, I've, I've, got loads, I've got loads more questions to ask you, but but Beef's waiting for me, Zach, so <laughs> I'll see you in room, mate. Um, look, he, he really wasn't giving too much away. I asked him about Justin Thomas, whether there's pressure on him to perform. He said, of course there is, but I'm not concerned about that. Um, I asked him about Brooks and how much this is going to mean to him. I mean, I spoke to Ricky Elliott, Brooks's caddy, after he won the PGA Championship earlier this year, and Ricky said, this one, this one, the fifth major means more than the other four because of what Brooks has been through. Like he was in, anybody who watched the Netflix documentary, we know what sort of frame of mind Brooks Kepka was in when he had his injury woes. He was in the doldrums. And to get back and win a fifth major championship, when he genuinely thought his career might be over, meant yeah. so much to him. So I think to be back in that Ryder Cup team room equally will mean so much to him. And as I said beforehand, he hasn't burnt any bridges. He's still got really good relationships with the guys that are on the PGA Tour. And so that, I kind of was kind of asking Zach Johnson about that as well, just how much it means to him. Um, and I was asking about the guys that he'd had to, you know, phone up and, and leave off the team. He wasn't giving too much away. I, you know, I was trying to get specific names out of him. He wasn't giving me any of that because Freddie Couples a month ago basically said Cam Young was on the team. Lo and behold, Cam Young isn't on the team. So that must have been a pretty difficult conversation to have, I imagine. But um, yeah, he was he was straight batting pretty much everything I asked him. But um, the one bit of information I did get is that all of them, the 12 players, Zach Johnson, all the vice captains, they're all heading over to Rome for their sort of um, scouting mission next week. So um, that'll be interesting to see. And if I were the greenkeepers at Marco Simone, I'd be like, let's just keep a few tricks up our sleeves. Let's not show <laughs> them what the course is going to be like in the, in the final weekend of September. Let's holotine the greens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, so we've talked about Sam Burns. We've talked about Ricky Fowler. We've talked about Brooks Kepka. We've talked about Justin Thomas. So then the remaining two, there's obviously Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth who make up the picks. Uh, were they just shoe-ins, those two? They feel like the least dramatic ones to, to me, who's sort of an average knowledge person. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think on Spieth, he finished eighth in the rankings, so he was just behind Kepka. Um, you know, he hasn't had an amazing season in terms of what we expect from, from Jordan Spieth. He hasn't won this season. He lost in the playoff to Matt Fitzpatrick at um, the Heritage just after the Masters. But look, he's played in every Ryder Cup since Glen Eagles in 2014. Um, he's got a, a winning record. A lot of that is down to the fact that Justin Thomas, he's kind of ridden on Justin Thomas's coattails, especially at the last two. I mean, you've got a ready-made partnership there in Spieth and Thomas. You've got a ready-made partnership in Cantley and Chauffelet. So, you know, I, I'm sure that entered Zach Johnson's thinking in terms of, right, let's get guys in the team who are comfortable in each other's company. But 
Jordan Spieth is, you know, we all love watching Jordan Spieth. He's just an entertainer, isn't he? He's the, the closest America's had to somebody like a Seve who just, you never know what he's going to do next. So I think that's, you know, I think that was a no-brainer. And Colin Morikawa, look, again, he hasn't won this season, and that might, people might think, oh, Colin Morikawa's not had a great year. But if you look at the stats, he's the fourth best performing American over the last year, over the last three months as well. He's hitting it beautifully. He absolutely stripes the ball. He's somebody who hits it straight. That's what you want. I mean, sure, Beef, who's played Marcus Simone, will tell you, you want to keep it straight around that course, and that's what you get with Colin Morikawa. Um he had a formidable partnership with DJ at Whistling Straits two years ago. Obviously, he's going to need a new partner this time. You'd think maybe Max Homer is a kind of obvious pairing for him, the two California guys. So, yeah, I, I think that w- that one was a no-brainer as well. How much do you know, Jamie, how much data they go into and sort of all that tech side of stats and stuff to, for these picks? I mean, I think it depends on the captain, really. I mean, I know that Thomas... Five years ago, Thomas Bjorn leaned heavily on the data and basically the guys who were doing the analytics for him, he was just like essentially left it to them. Who should I pick? And then once he had picked them, right, tell us what our strategy should be. Who should we be sending out in foursomes? Who should we be sending out in four balls? Who partner up best? And he really leaned heavily in the data. This time, all the data has been done by Dodo Molinari, who's obviously one of the vice captains. So Dodo will being Luke's here, no doubt, telling him this is what matches up well, this is what works well, this is who we should pick, and then once we get to Rome, these two guys, their games really, really complement each other. From Zach Johnson's point of view, and from America's point of view in general, I always get the impression they haven't, they've done it more sort of on gut instinct, more on heart, ruling head, and that's why I'm surprised at somebody like Cam Young being left off. If I was European, if I was a European player now, I'd be licking my lips that Cam Young isn't on that team because I think he hits it straight and he hits it far off the tee. And that is what works well around Mar- Marcus Simone. You look at the guys that have won there, Adrian Moronk, Nikolai Hoygaard. They're guys that absolutely hit it a country mile off the tee, but hit it straight as well. And that's why I'm a little bit surprised. I thought he could have been a menace around Marcus Simone, Cam Young. I thought he could have been really dangerous, just made an absolute ton of birdies. Um, so I, I think that that's a big miss for them. But as I said, I always get the impression from an American point of view, they, they maybe sort of do it more on gut instinct. What, what, what is the best for team chemistry rather than relying on the data? And look, there's a lot to be said for the data, but we've said it ourselves, Beef, haven't we, in this podcast? All the data, all the form, it kind of goes out the window when you're representing your country slash continent and you're standing on that first tee and there's 12,000 people in that first tee and you can barely even tee up your ball because your hands are shaking so much. All the data goes out the window then, doesn't it? It's about playing on emotion and who just hits a purple patch and for three days is unstoppable. Um, And hopefully, it's our boys. Definitely, yeah. 100%. Beef, just before the break, we were talking about the Marco Simone Golf Club. I didn't realise you'd played there, but when you did, how did you actually get round the whole wanting to eat pasta the whole time when you were there and need to actually play golf thing? I bet that was quite tricky, was it? It's probably the reason I had the weekend off eating more pasta, to be honest. <laughs> What's it like as a golf course? It's Yeah, it's, it is. It's a good golf course. As I said, you've got to... What I remember, it was quite forgiving off the tee, but if you don't hit the fairways... Hitting into the greens were were tricky. The greens are slopey. They were firm, fast. A few difficult runoffs round round the areas and stuff. And if you sort of 
short side yourself you're struggling to make pars round there so yeah you had to hit good iron shots into the greens and be sort of sensible where you hit them on a few holes but then there was a lot of holes where you could be really aggressive and you can totally see how it's built for Ryder Cup I think it's the 16th right it's the drivable one over water is that right Jamie yeah that's right yeah drivable par four yeah that's going to be absolutely amazing the 16th hole drivable where someone actually needs to pull out driver to try and win a hole or turn the match around. There's going to be drama on that hole. There's another short one on the front nine, I think, where they can move up as well. And I think that's that's the, is the element of, of Ryder Cup and match play and foursomes and things like that. You're going to see players do things they wouldn't normally do and the course is set up perfectly for that. Nice. Beef, I've got some uh, listener questions here from our members. And um, Darren says, as a Brit, I am very happy with that US team, question mark. I think he's saying that it's not as good as the European team. Um, How strong does this team look to you in comparison to previous US teams, would you say? I'll just read out the 12 very quickly. So obviously the guys who got the six automatics were Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homer, Xander Schofle. And then there's Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Colin Murakawa, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas in the picks. Now that to me seems like a really strong team, but Darren doesn't seem to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, Darren's very gutsy here and he's bold. I like Darren. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the US team is amazing. The US team is incredible. Yeah. Same as the last one as well. You look at the team on paper, it's absolutely incredible, but... I think when you start breaking down and probably after last Ryder Cup, I was thinking this could be one-way traffic for a while here where America might beat Europe a few times. Now, after two years, you look at some of the players Europe has, as I said, obviously you've got McElroy, Rahm, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick. I mean, there's some serious players. Serious players. Lowry as well. He played well in the Ryder Cup last year. Home soil as well. I, I So I I think it's going to be close. I really do. I think it's going to be tight. Yeah, 100%. You know, like I remember US teams. I remember in 2004, 50-year-old Jay Haas was a captain's pick. I remember in 2006, you had Brett Wetterick, Vaughn Taylor and JJ Henry making up the US team. They got beaten 18 and a half, nine and a half. You know, that was, that was times when... The, the, the U.S. really struggling to think, how do we fill 10, 11, and 12 on this roster? That is not the case this time. You know, we've spoken about the guys, Cam Young, uh, Keegan Bradley, Tony Finau, not even fit, but would be on the team, Will Zalatoris. You know, when those guys are being left off the team, as Beef says, we are entering an era now where it just seems like the next cab off the rank for the U.S. is another absolute stud, just ready to go out there and perform. But I'm feeling really bullish about our team as well. And, you know, what I would say is two years ago at Whistling Straits, it was kind of the perfect storm. Our players arrived there out of form. Their players arrived there in form. It seemed like Steve Stricker got every decision right. Podrig made a few bold calls and got them wrong. You had a crowd that was 99% American because it was still sort of post-COVID times. And that was a real home atmosphere for the US. But I would say those seven guys who are in that team that are going to be in this team, the big seven who have been locks for basically the last 12 months. If you look at all of those compared to where they were two years ago, arriving at Whistling Straits, John Ram is John Ram. He's just, you know, a class act. Both Rory and Tommy are playing better golf now than they were two years ago when they arrived at Whistling Straits. And the other four guys, Shane, Tyrrell, but especially Matt Fitzpatrick and Victor Hovland, 
are not all just playing better golf, but they're fundamentally better golfers than they were two years ago as well. Matt Fitzpatrick has gone to another level. Victor Hovland has become a global superstar now. So those seven guys who were kind of, you know, not in great form two years ago at Whistling Straits, they're all now playing exceptional golf and they're going to go out there and bring in some blue points. Oh, I love the confidence. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Beef, this one's a very good one from Arsenal Cannon Picks on Instagram, which I don't know if that's their real name. Uh, but who do you think was very unlucky, Beef, to miss out on the US team in particular? So I know we've mentioned, Jamie's mentioned several names there, but if there was one that you had to pick, Beef, who you thought would slot in, who would it be? Yeah, I'd probably have to say Cam Young. Um, I thought, to, to be honest, weirdly, I thought Finau was given as well. I thought he was going to be in the team as well. I know his form hasn't been the best but again he's a player that you probably don't want to go up against in a four ball where he could reel off hell of a lot of birdies going in and cause some damage probably yeah probably them two I'd say and this one is from Jason I know you'd want experienced players like JT on the team but his game is really out of sorts Bradley I think is the one that should have got the pick I mean we've spoken a lot about Justin Thomas but is Bradley I didn't realise Bradley was so close to being picked is that is that a real big miss for them? Only time will tell if he's going to be a miss depending on how JT performs in some sense. And th- that's what we spoke about where America have got, they could probably field a strong team of 20 people at the moment. And you're always going to have that conversation where someone else should probably have taken someone else's place or he could have gone instead of him because there's so many good players. It's so tight. Yeah, I, I think Keegan Bradley will be gutted to miss out. I think he's had an exceptional season. He's won twice, most recently at the Travellers. And most importantly as well, his game really suits well for that course because he's a great driver of the golf ball. So, you know, I, I think he'll be gutted this evening. We, we saw in Medina, those first two days at Medina when he was paired with Phil Mickelson, how much Ryder Cup brought out the best in him as well. I know he wasn't great two years after that at Glen Eagles, but you know, I'm sure, again, a bit like Ricky Fowler, he's been in the doldrums, he's come back, and I'm sure he thought he'd maybe done enough to knock on the door and get a pick. And I think in any other year, he probably would have as well. But look, Zach Johnson just had so many options. And unfortunately for Keegan, he was either the, the 13th or the 14th man. Perfect. Well, mate, I think we've gone through everything through that American team. No stones left unturned, you would say. But let's have a look at Europe. And what do you think... Luke Donald is going to be thinking and what players do you think he's going to be picking after seeing Zach Johnson reveal his cards first? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I said, I said, you know, those big seven, I think he'll be pretty confident in. Um, obviously, of those seven, Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Larry are currently outside the automatic spot. So they are absolutely two. Put your houses on them getting a pick. They're obviously going to be in that team. Um, Fitz is actually playing in Cron this weekend where he's got a great record. So he could even still get himself in automatically ahead of Tommy. But then obviously Tommy would get a pick anyway. Bob McIntyre clinging on to that final automatic spot at the moment. That was a real gutsy performance from him in the Czech Republic, you know, when he knew that there was a target in his back to go out and be the, the best performer of all the guys who could still qualify automatically, having had a quadruple bogey in his card on the Friday as well. That was impressive from Bob. And like Bob, I just have a feeling in my bones with Bob that he's the kind of guy that will just 
absolutely love the Ryder Cup as well. I could just see him standing on that first tee box, unfazed by whoever he's standing opposite, be it Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, whoever. I can just see Bob being an absolute stud in that team. And then in terms of Luke's other picks, I mean, I think Justin Rose is a given. I think Adrian Moronk having won around Marcus Simone and had a runner-up finish around Marcus Simone is a given as well. I think Sepp Straka, mark my words, lads, I'm going to tell you now, Sepp Straka is going to be dangerous in Marcus Simone. I think he is going to be a real star this Ryder Cup because he just makes so many birdies. He fires at every pin. And I'm thinking if you send him out in four balls alongside, I don't know, a Fitz or a Tommy, somebody who just finds fairways and greens and regulations, let them keep us in every hole and have Sepp just going and firing at every pin and just making as many birdies as he can. I think he could be a real ace up our sleeve. So Sepp Stracker gets a pick as well. And that leaves one, one man for the final spot. And it's going to be interesting is it Nikolai Hoygaard is it Ludwig Aberg I mean there are options there it's going to be a young team we're going to have some rookies in there we're going to have some fresh pairings this time but you know what lads it's been 30 years since the Yanks won on European soil (laughs) and I'm thinking in four years time when we arrive in Ireland it's going to be 34 years wow (laughs) beef Jamie's coming to beef's golf club is an absolute fountain of knowledge just saying everything we basically needed him to I think we're gonna have to come back next week and do uh do a big old european team preview as well right oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. do you know why as well yeah. it's because we need this fucking knowledge we need it so bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah this is um this is unparalleled territory for us um jamie thanks so much for joining us boys always a pleasure i will uh, speak to you this time next week when luke will have picked his 12 they're gonna win the Ryder cup back when Spurs will have another win under their belt and be top of the league. You know, it's just, it's a great time to be a, a sports fan at the moment. I just hold your thoughts, everyone, because he's buzzing at the moment. It could be a different story next week when we're talking to him and there might not be one mention of Tottenham. You're lucky I haven't burst into song and sung the, the big Ange Postacoglu song to the to the tune of <laughs> Angels by Robbie Williams, which I was tempted to do. <laughs> if they win, if they win next weekend, it's got to be done. Absolutely. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> Jamie, absolutely pleasure to have you at Beeves Golf Club thanks so much mate cheers lads cheers mate Crowd Network a place where you belong